You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Amen. Well, I hope your heart's blessed. Wow. I mean, all these songs have been sitting there. Remembering 48 years ago, lost and messed up teenage boy. And uh, the grace of God. And um, reached down and saved my old wicked soul and changed my life and it's been just one blessing after the other. It really has. So if your heart's not full tonight, uh, I don't know why. And uh, just the good music, the good fellowship, and it's great to be back. Echo Brother Rains. Thank you, Brother uh, Che. I'm not sure where you went. Somewhere back there. Okay. Are you security tonight? <laughs> you left your Bible in your office. Okay, that'll make... That'd make a good Facebook post tonight. <laughs> the pastor of the church left his Bible and they all didn't bring it to the service, but I don't Facebook, brother, so you're in good you're in good hands with me. Now, this crowd out here, you're in trouble. So but uh, thank you for inviting us back and thank you for uh, allowing Joyce to come along. That's a blessing and and it's just good to see so many familiar faces and uh, be back in this place, and I'm not going to start naming names. I'll leave somebody out, but it's just a joy to be here. I do want to say I'm thrilled to have Pastor Cardenas here tonight and his family. Brother Cardenas pastored our Spanish church for 10 years. Did a great job. We don't have as many Hispanics as, as you folks do down here. We're getting more. You know, y'all are shipping them to us, and so, you know, we're... Yeah. So we're getting, that population's growing. <laughs> Truthfully, we've, uh, one of our Spanish men <coughs> invited this fellow that he was, he said, well, I'm from Venezuela. And they came over the border and they all got shipped up. Philip filled a whole motel in Matson. Remember where Matson is? Filled a whole motel full of uh, migrants. And uh, so we pick up, we now we pick up eight, nine, ten of them every Sunday, and one couple <laughs> has already moved to Mantino and got a place to live and is working and faithfully coming to church. So, you know, I think they ought to come across the border legally, but what are we going to do? They're here, and they need the gospel. And so, you remember we talked about that, brother, that God didn't call us to police the world. He called us to preach the gospel. This man did a great job. And we just celebrated 20 years, Brother Cardenas, in December. Brother Harrison started that church and uh, had a great day there and having great days. So I love this family, Precious, and I just, you know, you look back over the years that God allows you to work with people in his work and it, the, the fellowship of the gospel and uh, Precious. So great to be with Brother Gomez again, the reigns. And, and uh, of course, Brother Gomez, a dear, dear friend. By the way, for those of you that have uh, connections up to Providence and Elgin. Now, this time last year, he was uh, getting ready to retire from the pastorate. 
and then in March they made that transition. I don't know of a transition anywhere in our ranks that's gone any smoother or better than the transition at Northwest. Now he's not been there, so he can't tell you about it. He talks to people, but I've been there. I've been there for youth conference. I've been there for pastors conference. Snuck in on a couple of Wednesday nights when we flew in too late to go home for the service there. And I've been in the college every week since the semester, you know, last fall. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's just, I don't know if that makes you feel good or bad. They don't miss you, brother. Amen. So <laughs> just, it just comes up. <laughs> I'm teasing. You know that. And uh, I know you're getting ready to go back and they're excited about it. They're already talking about you coming. So I appreciate him. Hey, uh, I know y'all are building a building. Can I just speak from a little bit of pastoral experience to Heritage Baptist tonight? Enjoy these days. Enjoy, enjoy what you got right now. Don't look forward so much to the future. Now you got to, that's the will of God, but that you, that you miss what you got right now. You know, Brother Gomez was there when we, we, he helped us. We were in a building. This is wider than what we were in. Ours was a little deeper, but our ceiling was not, our ceiling was that tall all the way across. I had to be careful, you know, you know, and it's precast concrete that doesn't go well with your fist. And, uh, but, but, um, oh my, I asked Brother Howes, I wrote him a, <laughs> a letter and asked him if he could give us, give me some advice on the building. And uh, I figured he might call me. And, uh, but his secretary called Ms. McKinney. And she said, Brother Angel, Brother Howes is coming up from southern Indiana and he'd like to stop by your place on Friday, such and such a day. Would, you, would that be all right? No, I've got things to do. And you know, so <laughs> sure, that's all right. And uh, so we met and we had the drawings all out. And he said, well, let's take a walk. And we walked out to the uh, main row where the church sits off of Armor Road there, and it was a, it had an old mansard roof, looked like a, looked like an apartment. Yeah. Brother Hack, you remember that? Yeah, it looked like an apartment. You people, I would visit people. Faith Baptist has been there since 1972 in that area, and uh, is not a kidding. And I say, yeah, where's Faith Baptist Church? Well, it's over there by the fire. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like oh yeah, and, so, and uh, we had. We had doors that were boarded up with <laughs> cedar siding. <laughs> Our buses are parked out <laughs> along Armor Road. I think we had three or four in that those days, just not many. And um, so we're standing out by the bus. Remember, y'all remember how he used to stand? He'd stand with his arms crossed like that and one leg out in front of the other, and he's looking around. And he's looking at the buses, looking at the building, looking at the bus, looking at the building. He said, Terry, he said, what are those things that look like doors boarded up? I said, yeah, they're doors that are boarded up. <laughs> he said, son, he said, most churches use their buildings to hide their buses. But I see you use your buses to hide your building. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I told that to the people and a couple of the old timers didn't care for it. <laughs> Anyway, we got to a new auditorium, but uh, and it was crowded, and it was you know it was in, inconvenient for visitors. And Dr. Lee Robertson sat on the platform, and he said on a Wednesday night, he said, "Is this your crowd?" And I said, "Yes, sir." Got to build, son. Got to build. 
got to build. 80%, you're over 80%. Got to build, got to build. And uh, so I know, I know you're doing the will of God there. That's wonderful. But enjoy this. It's pretty special. You're a bigger building and you still sing like crazy. But what you've got right here is really special. So enjoy. I know you will. And I know you do. I'm sorry for uh, my voice. I've had some kind of, I, I've not had a fever, but I've had some kind of infection, a viral infection, I suppose, in my lungs. I haven't run a fever. I don't think I'm contagious. Um, but so this is about it. <laughs> and I, uh, I'll get through it, Lord willing. I don't want to cough. And I'm doing something that I taught these young men and hom- homiletics not to do. Don't preach with a uh, throat a lozenge in your mouth. But I'm doing that tonight. And you feel like you're preaching with marbles in your mouth. So, but I'll try to get through this. So thank you for the invitation to come. And what a good crowd on a Monday night. You know, we were praying, I just, you heard people's voices and the excitement of God's people coming to God's place to hear God's word. And uh, you can't beat that. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Matthew chapter 7. <coughs> Matthew chapter 7. Now, I don't know if any of you are Super Bowl people or not, but I was surprised that we knew the score at the end of the game. It was played in Arizona. It usually takes them about two months to get a count, you know, so where uh, they can add up all the points. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. This is so familiar to us. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or, what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? I'll stop reading there and and I want to preach tonight on the simplicity of prayer. The simplicity of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. And what a joy to be in this place tonight. Lord, my heart's full to see your work going forward. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the meeting as only you can. Lord, we're not looking for a duplicate of last year. We can't do that. And we're not looking for that. We're just looking for some fresh bread from your oven tonight. And so fill us with power, both speaker and listener. And uh, Lord, help me not to cough. And I pray that you'll bless the message to the hearer in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. The privilege of prayer is one of the greatest, if not the greatest privilege of the Christian life. It is a privilege to talk to man about God, but could there be anything greater than uh, talking to God just individually? There are a lot of things that happen when you and I pray. There is fellowship in prayer. A prayer puts us in the place of fellowship with the the God of heaven, the God of the universe. Uh, Prayer exposes us to the character and nature of God. I've found out through the, this is, this is not on, right? I found out um, through the years when I, when the spirit of God really helps me get into a good prayer session, that the longer I pray, the smaller I feel. Because Prayer exposes us to God's character and nature, which is holy, holy, 
holy. And the longer we pray, I really believe this, the more unholy we see ourselves. And God, and we're exposed to his character and his nature. And then in our context tonight, prayer is our opportunity to go to God and ask for things that we need. And that's what he's teaching here. Jesus is teaching in, this, in these verses. And he said it's, 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 it's as simple as ask and seek and knock. Now, let me say something before I get into the message. You know, we understand when it comes to things that we need that we don't always know God's divine plan, his providential will for our lives. There are times when God, well, you think Moses in the Old Testament, you remember that he smote the rock twice instead of speaking to it, and God said, you're not going in, and yet he continued to ask God, let me, and finally God said, don't ask me again. Don't ask me again, you're not going in. So there are times when God may just say to your heart, don't ask me about that. You think about the Apostle Paul who besought the Lord. He didn't just say, Lord, would you please take this? He besought the Lord. That's earnestness, fervency. He besought the Lord not once, not twice, but thrice until God said, no, Paul, you're going to keep the thorn. You need it because my strength is made perfect in your weakness and my grace will be sufficient. And do you remember what happened to the Apostle Paul? His desire changed. I rather therefore glory in my infirmity. He went from God take it away to God thank you for it. And so that happens sometimes when we pray for things that we want or things that we need. God may say to us, don't ask me again. God may change our desire. But church, listen carefully. If God doesn't uh, tell you, no, don't ask me again, and if he doesn't change your desire, there's no greater prayer promise for things that you need than these verses found here in, in Matthew chapter 7, these, these verses that Christ gave us. It may be something as easy as ask and you shall receive. That's easy, isn't it? Ask and you shall receive. Uh, through the years, I'd go back to my office after a service, open the door, and there would be, oh, sometimes two, maybe three, once in a while, just one single envelope that somebody had slid under my door. I remember the first time it happened. I picked up the envelope, and the envelopes, there was a couple of them there, and it had the name of a church member on it. And uh, I'm curious, I'm curious, you know, so I held it up to the light. I could see that there was currency in there, and I figured out, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to give this to the person. Well, the, the, uh, the person that put it under my door, I didn't know. I, they were, we didn't have cameras, and I didn't know who put it under my door. They slipped it in during the service. So I would take it to the person and give it to them. Days later, they'd come back and say, who can I write a thank you? No, I don't know. It was anonymous. And that would happen over and over again. The only sad part about it is the envelope never had my name on it, and uh, not one time. But anyway, one time I went there, picked up an envelope, had the name of a lady in our church, single mother with a little girl who's in our school. And uh, usually it was, most often it was for a family in need at a particular time. And uh, so, but she, this, whoever put the envelope under the door didn't know it. This single mother had just moved, taking her, I mean, one day the little girl's in school, the next day she's gone. And a couple days later, finally, no, she's moved out of the state. I talked to her mother. So where's Mindy? She said, Pastor, she's in Michigan. I don't know where. She just called me and told me she's okay not to worry about her. And so that envelope sat on my desk for a long time. And finally, I, I took a black magic marker, scratched out the name, and uh, 
I took it like this. I put it in my pocket right here. And I just asked, God, please show me who to give this to. I just asked. And went out the door. And Brother Cardenas, you know, right across from the office door is the nursery. I don't know who designed the nursery to come right, be right across from the pastor's <laughs> office. But one of these days, I'm going to have a talk with that guy, except for I, I see him every morning in the mirror. And I'm like, you're crazy. But anyway, uh, standing in the door, when the half door there was Grace McCaslin. And, uh, and the Spirit of God said to me, as clear as I'm talking to you, not audibly, but in my, give it to her. And so I pulled it out. I said, Grace, uh, I asked the Lord who to give this to, and he told me to give it to you. Well, she says, thank you. That was a Sunday night on Wednesday night. She was there a little bit before the service, and she said, Pastor, can I tell you about that envelope you gave me? I said, sure. She said, I was reading a missionary letter on the wall over there some time ago. One of our missionaries was having a camp for teenagers, and it was going to cost $50 to send a teenager to camp. And the Lord impressed upon my heart to send three teenagers to camp. And she said, Lord, I don't have $150. And the Lord said, yes, you do. And she said, yes, Lord, but that's not, that's not for teenagers. And, um, and what she was doing, she was saving up for carpet. And she was putting just a little money, squirreling a little money away in an envelope to buy carpet for her apartment. And um, she said, you ever tried to argue with God? And uh, so she went home and she got three $50 bills and she brought it to the office and gave it so we could send it to the missionary. She said, that was just a couple of weeks ago. And on Sunday night, you handed me an envelope. I got home, opened it up. Guess what was in there? Three $50 bills. Because God will always replace what you give to missions. He always will. It may not happen like that, but he'll replace it. And uh, she was so thrilled. And there it is. It could be as simple as ask and you shall receive. But it's not always that easy. Not always that simple, so it may require something a little bit more than just ask and receive. So Jesus said, uh, seek and ye shall find. Uh, something that may be a little bit more involved, something that involves a little bit more commitment on our part, a little bit more fervency, seek and ye shall find. It may, <coughs> this, might, this is not just asking, there's the answer. This is praying for days. This is praying for weeks. This is praying sometimes for months. Seek and ye shall find. Uh, years ago, I was in Northwest Kansas, and uh, preached at a church out there, and uh, uh, we had a good meeting. And it's a little small town. I think the town's two thousand people, and just but you know maybe thirty, forty people there on a Monday night and Tuesday. And Tuesday night, the services were over, and I was standing in the just standing around fellowship with people. And the pastor's eighteen-year-old daughter came by. And uh, we talked for a little bit, and she said, Brother Angel, I've never been asked this before by a teenager. Is there anything I can pray with you about? It caught me off guard, to be honest with you, a little bit. And finally, I got my sense about me, and I said, yes, there he is. I took a three-by-five card out of my pocket, and I wrote down the last names of three couples in our church that, that, that dearly wanted to have a child, and God had not given them a child yet. And, um, and I said, you can pray for these three couples to have a baby. My wife and I pray for them. My wife prays more, more <laughs> consistently than I do. And she said, okay. Now, that's in February of, the, of, the, of that, whatever year it was. And along about April, one of those couples, the man, uh, saw me before church, and he said, kind of a long face, he said, can we, can we meet with you tonight after the service? I said, sure. 
And so we'd gotten down to the server, went in the little room there, and they come in in long face, you know, and I thought, well, they just need encouragement again. You know, their hearts are broken and sad. And so he sat across the table from me, well, Pastor, you know, we've been in here before about trying to have a baby, and I know we've prayed and everything, and, and I just want to uh, come in tonight and tell you that we're going to have a baby. And, uh, man, I leaped across the table, and he leaped it this way. We wept together there and cried, and now that's in April. Now, now it's in July, and I'm at uh, Oklahoma City, and had finished the mission, the uh, youth conference with Rick Dawson, and I preached there. He, Rick's in heaven now, and uh, <coughs> pardon me, had preached down there. Was again, meeting was over, standing around. The pastor's 18-year-old daughter from Kansas, she comes up. Hey, brother Angel, good to see you. It's been a good conference. Yeah, yeah, Kim has. Well, do you have any news for me? And I thought, news for you? What are you talking? And then it don't, and I said, yes, I do. You can take uh, Ryan and Sarah Harrison's name off of your list because God has given them a baby. And that's, a, that's Mandy Che's brother. And, uh, and now he's given a couple more. <laughs> and uh, that's a blessing. And so she was so happy, so thrilled. That was February to July. She said, I have prayed every day for God to give them a baby. 18-year-old girl. Oh, two years ago, my wife and I started praying for something. It was 2021. We started praying for something. We prayed every night. We prayed every night for nine months. Not that God would give us a baby. All right, we got enough of them. <laughs> we had six. That was plenty, okay? So... Never thought about that praying for nine months, but anyway, we prayed for nine months, nine months, day after day after day after day. And, and folks, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm the warrior. I'm sorry. But we asked God. And we did more than just ask, we kept seeking. And nine, nine months, one Wednesday afternoon, with one phone call, the, 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 we got the answer to that prayer that we'd prayed for nine months. Now, but really, is that is that hard? It's pretty simple, isn't it? He said, "Ask and you shall receive." And it may require a little bit more commitment and and uh, pay pay attention. And you may have to seek seek for a while. But if you will, you'll find it. And he said, "It may get so that you'll have to knock, and just keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking. And if God doesn't tell you to stop knocking," Or if God doesn't change the desire, then just keep knocking and that door shall be opened unto you. You know George Mueller's story, great man of prayer and faith. And he said they prayed for 50 years for five of his friends to be saved. And I think a couple of them, two or three of them got saved before he died. One of them got saved at his funeral and one of them got saved after he was buried. He'd prayed for 50 years for those five men to be saved. Now, ask and then if necessary, a little more, seek. And then if necessary, a little more, knock. But every one of those things is fairly simple. Maybe one's a little bit more intense than the other. But people, do we really have to go to the dictionary and look up the, word, the definition to ask and seek and knock? That's kind of right where we live, isn't it? And then to illustrate just how simple this matter of praying for what we need really is, Jesus says in verse number nine, or. Let me tell you a little story, he says. 
And he begins to tell the story of a man and his son. I want to show you three things, and that won't be long. Show you three things here. First of all, I want you to see the father-son relationship. The Bible says in verse number nine, or what, <coughs> or what man is there of you whom if his son? A man and his son. So what do we have? We have a father-son relationship here, okay? You have a man and his son. Now, folks, that relationship immediately opens doors for that boy that no other relationship offers him. He might have an uncle. He might have an older brother. He might have a good friend or maybe even a good grandpa. But none of those relationships open doors of opportunity for that boy like the fact does that the man is his father. There is something in the heart of the father for the boy because the boy is his son. And when a son asks his father for a legitimate need, what does the heart of the dad long to do? The heart of the father longs to meet that need for his son. That's normal. I remember, I remember Brother Jeff Fugit telling years ago, when his boys were little, they'd come to his office on Sunday morning and they would get a quarter for the Sunday school offering. He had them a quarter. And so one of the, one of the little boys came and, and Brother Fugit was getting his things ready to go teach his own Sunday school class. And uh, so he said, okay, son, here's your quarter for the Sunday school offering. Now be a good boy and listen. And the boy said, thank you, Dad. And he just stood there. And Brother Fugit's getting his stuff together. And he said, son, I gave you a quarter. Going to Sunday school now. And he just stood there. And he said, son, what are you doing? He said, well, Dad, I was wondering if I could get 50 cents for a pop. And he said, 50 cents for a pop. And I gave you a quarter for a Sunday school lesson, for your Sunday school offering. Now, go on to class and be a good boy. And the little boy said, yeah, Dad, but if I can't get 50 cents from you, who am I going to get it from? And you know what, Brother Fugit did? <laughs> he found a couple more quarters and gave. Now, why is that, folks? Because that's the heart of a father. Now, listen. We're all glad, I think we're all thankful that God is ruler, he's creator, he's sovereign, he's the judge of all the earth, he's majesty, he's seated on high on his throne ruling over all of creation. He's holy, holy, holy. We wouldn't take any of that away from him. We can't take any of that away from him. But when it comes to something that you and I need, I am glad that he's not just creator. He's not just judge. He's not just potentate. He's not just ruler over all. I'm glad he's my father. Because the father longs to provide the needs of his son. Father opens doors of compassion and care that no other title or relationship can open. I love the kids of Faith Baptist Church. And right now we got a pile of them. My gracious. We got a pile of them. And just we welcomed on baby day this year. We had seven babies from last year. And, and there's more coming down the pike this year. And, that's a blessing. That's wonderful. Hey, listen, you need kids in a church. You need kids in a church. They keep things exciting. Amen. I might have told you this. I was at Fort Worth preaching years ago, and I was just washed my hands in the bathroom. I was standing in the middle of the men's room opening a peppermint. And this little guy, he came bursting through the door, came right to my knees, looked straight up at me. He said, can I have one of those? I said, go ask your mother. She said, yes. And so, <laughs> so what do you do? Uh, kids keep it going, exciting, don't they? 
I love the kids. I go over, spend a little time with them on Sunday night for about oh, five or ten minutes at King's Kids, have some fun, sing a couple songs. But uh, i got to confess something to you. All those kids, all those years coming through Faith Baptist, I love them all, thank God for them, but there were six. There were six that had a little special place in my heart. And I don't think that's wrong because they called me Father. Father. And, and you men know, you men in this room, you have married kids, you know that that never leaves you. Brother Ben, you, your parents send you off away to school and you get married and move away and it's not, well, that's done. That's not how it is. Moms and dads still, their heart beat for their children. And I remember I was up, we were up at college one day and <coughs> Joyce, before Hannah was, our oldest daughter has been there all these years, married to the school administrator, Jason Walker. And um, before she was teaching, she's teaching now, but before she was teaching and Joyce would ride up with me and she'd go over and spend the day with Hannah, spend a few hours with her. And then uh, we'd go home and she'd been to Hannah's one, one morning, we were driving home. How's your time with Hannah? She said, oh, it was great. Did this and did that. She said, I helped her clean up a little bit. Got four boys and a husband and uh, they all make a mess, amen, no doubt. And uh, said, so I helped her clean up a little bit and said, man, her vacuum's terrible. It's just terrible. It's heavy. It's big. It doesn't pick up. I had to push it, push it, push it. And, and, uh, and she said, you know, she had just a terrible vacuum. She wants to get a shark. And uh, I thought, what's a shark? I don't know what that is. But anyway, so I got home Thursday night, and I was sitting around after everything was done for the day, and I was, I was checking some emails and stuff, and she was sitting on there. I was sitting here. She's sitting over there. And, uh, and I thought about that. Hannah needs a vacuum. And so I went on Amazon. Amen. Okay. So I went on Amazon, and I said, uh, what, what, what kind of vacuum was that that, that you said Hannah wanted? And, uh, and, and I, I'm just looking. You know, all of a sudden, I hear this. And Joyce is on the cell phone, and she's called Hannah. And Hannah, what kind of dad's on Amazon looking at vacuums? What kind of vacuum is that that you wanted? That's what, I said, what happened? She said, a shark. Okay, she wants a shark. And so I typed it in. And, and you know what I did? I bought her a shark. So, oh, you shouldn't spoil the kids. Oh, you know. Yeah. Now, why does a dad do that? Just in your heart. There's a legitimate need, and the dad longs to fill it. Now, I don't do that for my married kids all the time, but I did then. And people, when you have a need, and you get on your knees or you clasp the hand of your spouse around the table, and you start talking in prayer, asking, seeking, knocking for something that you need, Remember, you're speaking to your father, your father, father-son relationship. Second thing, <laughs> second thing I want you to see is common necessities requested, <coughs> common necessities requested. He said in verse number nine, if his son, him, if his son ask bread, and then in verse number 10, if he ask a fish. 
Now, what is this boy requesting? Bread and fish. People, is there anything more common in this time than bread and fish? This son is asking for a fish fillet off a McDonald's value menu. That's what he's asking for, okay? So what's your point, Brother Terry? My point is this. He's not asking for some elaborate, special, luxurious need. He is asking for a common necessity. And I want to remind you tonight, church, that that's the very thing your father is interested in providing for you. Common necessities. What do you need <laughs> that's a common necessity? Do you need strength for a difficult project at work? Do you need stability for a troubled marriage? What do you need? Do you need another year or two out of an older car? Do you need a sal the salvation of a child, a spouse? Do you need wisdom to prepare a Sunday school lesson? What do you need? Do you need enlightenment uh, to make a business decision? Do you need help when your heart is overwhelmed? What do you need? Do you need a set of tires because the old ones are worn out? Do you need encouragement for a discouraged heart? Do you need patience to deal with an unruly coworker? What do you need? Do you need healing for a wound that was caused by a friend? Do you need a new battery for the car when the money is gone? Do you need comfort for a lonely heart? What do you need? Is something at the house broken down? Are you weary from the attack of the enemy? What do you need? Do you need revival for a lukewarm heart? Do you need protection as you commute to work? Do you need steady hands as you're trying to prepare the broken appliance? What do you need? You say, well, God's not in, God's not what? God's not what? You're talking about the God who knows the very number of hairs on your head? And you're going to tell me he's not, he's not interested? In the fact that you're a little short and you've got to buy a battery or a set of tires or your heart's been pierced through with disappointment and hurt and he doesn't care. Oh, yes, he cares. I know. <laughs> I know he cares. And he's happy for, ask, for us to ask him for common necessities. I'm going to date myself a little bit here. But I'm talking about cartoons back when they were cartoons. When you could watch them, okay? And I know you can't now because I've tried recently. I'm just teasing, okay? But <laughs> Warner Brothers, remember the old Bugs Bunny and all those guys, Daffy Duck? You have a favorite cartoon character. We'll tell you who mine is. Present tense. Foghorn Leghorn. That guy, that guy was great, man. Foghorn Leghorn. Remember he had the little chicken hawk running around behind him, you know? And I see some of you younger folk, oh, Foghorn Leghorn. Hey, let me, let me tell you, get yourself a life. You probably, can find, you probably can find a DVD for $2 in that bin at Walmart if you dig through there long enough. You probably, my wife found one. Brought it home. And Kennedy, a little granddaughter was over. I said, Kennedy, you ever seen Foghorn Leghorn? No, Papa. And I said, sit down. Joyce told me later, she said, I don't know who had a better time, you or Kennedy, watching Foghorn Leghorn. 
And you remember how you remember what he always said, little guy, kid, get away from me, son. You you bother me. You bother me. So you see all the cartoon watchers here. Amen. All right. You bother me. You bother me. Get away from a boy, you bother me. Was it Jairus? And he and Jesus said, I'll go to your house and, and heal your servants. Son, I believe it was. Daughter, I can't remember. And the woman with the issue of blood stops him on the way, touches his garment. And the servants come and tell Jairus, the boy's dead. Trouble not the master. Don't bother him anymore. And immediately, Jesus turned to that man and said, fear not. And he went to the house and he healed a sick kid. And I'm here to tell you when the devil crawls on your shoulder and tells you, stop troubling God. Stop bothering God. You think he's interested in that little thing you're asking him for? People dying all over the world, going to hell, and our country going to hell in the handbag, and you got this little bitty need, and you think he's interested in that? Stop asking him. You tell the devil to go on away. You quote scripture. You quote this scripture to him, and you remind him that God is interested in the common necessities of his kids. And keep asking. And keep seeking. And keep knocking. So you see father-son relationship. You see, <coughs> pardon me, common necessities required, requested. And then I want to show you this. I want to show you the much more resources. Look at verse number 11. So he says, he gives a little story about the man and his son. And then he says to the people standing around, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now, Brother Luke got up here a little while ago and gave some announcements. And I, I remember Brother Luke's face, and I asked, I, your pastor, your, this is Leanne, is your wife. How long y'all been married, Brother Luke? Leanne, how long y'all been married? <laughs> Oh, 20. Okay. Long time. Amen. So I'm going to put Miss Leanne on the spot tonight just a little bit here, okay? And uh, has Brother Luke been a good provider for you and the family? Had a roof over your head, and food to eat, and clothes to wear, vehicle to drive. And you may not be laying up huge riches, but you've had what you've needed. I know something about Brother Luke. I know that he is, has a wicked, fallen, evil, Adamic sin nature. I, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I could probably ask her that question, too. She'd probably say, yeah. No, no, no. But now here's a Listen, hey. If ye then, being evil, not talking about a bad man, this man has an Adamic fallen sin nature. And if he 
if he knows how to provide for the needs of those who depend on him. How much more. How much more. Are you getting it, folks? Well, Luke's finite. He's mortal. Saved by the blood of Christ, amen. But a wicked fall on Adamic sin nature that still rises up every now and again and bites him. How do you know that? It does me. It does you too. And yet, we've been blessed to know with enough wisdom and, 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 and care to provide for the needs of our families and those we love. What in the world are we thinking? We have this infinite, immortal, righteous, pure, holy, powerful Father who sits on the throne of the universe. And if we can provide for our kids, don't you think he can provide for you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. So what have you stopped asking him for? What have you stopped seeking? <coughs> Why have you quit knocking? Did God tell you to stop? Has your desire changed? And maybe you just uh, quit a little bit too soon. When I worked for Brother Brown out there in Iowa, the water in Washington, you can't drink it. It's horrible. Used to send the water bill out, had a little slip of paper in the water bill every month. You know, be careful about drinking the water. You know, we had to buy purified water. And uh, everybody went up to Iowa City to the hospitals up there because we had a one-horse hospital in town, 30 months. Probably 30 miles was a 45-minute drive in those days. There was no big 218 like there is now, two-lane road or Highway 1. And we used to go up there often to make hospital calls. He told me one. He said, Terry, he said, I found a place up in Iowa City that sells purified water. You can get it for like 10 cents a gallon, 10, 20 cents a gallon. He said, get you some big five-gallon jugs and when you go to make a hospital call, just pull by and get some water. So we, that's what we did. And one day he got, oh, he got a late start, mid-afternoon. He had, I don't know, several hospital calls lined up in University and Mercy Hospital. And he throws his three or four of those five-gallon jugs in the back of his Volvo station wagon. And before he goes to the hospital, he goes by and he gets 20 gallons of purified water, has it in the back. And he starts making hospital visits and just one after the other. And Brother Brown's, he'll, he'll stay a long time, visit and just talk. And, and it would do it and on and on and on and on, go to the hospital, on and on. Finally, it's 8.30, 9 o'clock, 8.30 at night. It's dark and uh, he's ready to head home. Got about a 45-minute drive. And he realizes, good grief, I never stopped had it. I never stopped for a drink of water or anything to eat, nothing. He started thinking about being thirsty. And in those days, there's nothing open. I mean, nothing, nothing. No gas station, no nothing. Just a 45-minute drive through the country down to Washington. You know how it is when you're thirsty. And you start thinking about it. He just, man, he's more. He finally pulled in the lane there at his house, down that lane, jumped out, ran in the house, 
turned on the faucet. Boy, he guzzled one glass, guzzled another glass, and, you know, about three glasses. Went back out to his car to get his briefcase and his coat. And there's 20 gallons of water. He'd been hauling around the back of that vehicle all afternoon. Yeah, well, that's crazy, man. Guy thirsting like that, so thirsty, and got 20 gallons of water in the back of the vehicle. Well, you know what? I'm not sure you and I do much better. We try to put God in this little bitty box. This is what we believe He can do. I'm going to tell you, folks, there's 20 gallons. 20 gallons. Much more resources. I'm not sending you home tonight with the promise that whatever it is your heart wants or needs, you've been praying for, God's going to give it to you tomorrow. I'm not sending you home with that promise, but I'll tell you what I'd like, I'd like to see happen tonight. I'd like to see a bunch of people decide, I'm going to go back and pick up that request. And I'm going to start asking God. And I'm going to start seeking. And I'm going to start knocking. And if He doesn't tell me to stop, or change my desire. I'm just going to keep asking and seeking and knocking. It's called the simplicity of prayer. What was it Paul talked about being concerned that we be removed from the simplicity that's in Christ? Folks, what do you need? What do you need? You got a father. He's interested in the little minute things of your life. And he has all the resources to provide. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.